Kaidi Mike, Tene Hortak, and welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman with you. A State Highway 1 Southern Motorway Auckland, due to a car fire, emergency services have blocked the left and northbound lane on State Highway 1 after Prince's Street Pass with Care. Also, the left southbound on the Auckland Motorway is blocked before Ellerslie Pamuir Highway off-ramp. We will keep you up to date on those crashes there. Today, the Coalition have met for the first time in a room 12 days after the election. Christopher Luxon, David Seymour, Winston Peters. We discussed just after 4pm this afternoon on the panel. Also today, who will pay to care for us when we grow old. Our guest this afternoon says society is just not prepared for the realities of the 21st century ageing population. And the case to be made for a cup of tea to be a nominal cost at a cafe. Why must we be charged $4.50 for a tea bag and hot water? Why can't it be free? says a columnist in The Guardian. And on the show Wednesday afternoon, I want to do a snap panel poll today. My question is this to you. Would you support congestion charging for the super city? Would you pay 3 bucks 50 to $5 on peak to travel into the CBD? Text yes or no, why or why not, to 2101. One. We uh, text cost 20 cents for that. We talked to a road pricing expert today that has worked for over 20 years on charging in cities around the world. He's got the real stuff for you this afternoon. With me today, Leonie Freeman, the Chief Executive of the Property Council. Leonie, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Great to be here. It's good to have you here. And Sawa Manning, Managing Director and Journalist, Multimedia Investors Limited. Kia ora, Sawan. Yeah, tanakui, Wallace. Uh, kia ora there, Leonie. Leone Sowen in the hot seat this afternoon. Now, I saw this post the other day from Auckland Deputy Mayor Desley Simpson. I'll read it out to you. Oysters. You may like them raw with a squeeze of lemon or battered, but we are using them to filter and test the water. Watercare have placed bags of oysters at locations from West Haven to Okahu Bay. Samples from these bags will be tested every fortnight for bacteria and heavy metals. An oyster can filter around 200 litres of water through its gills. Little oyster isn't nature clever writes Desley Simpson on Facebook. And I never knew about the incredible filtering qualities of oysters. So I thought I'd get Zoe Hilton, who is a scientist of shellfish and fish biology at the Cawthorne Institute Nelson. Zoe, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. It's nice to have you here. Tell us more about the filtering capacity of oysters. I bet that many of our listeners would not know this. I'm sure most people don't. I... We all say that really shellfish are so underrated because they're amazing creatures. Yeah, they they can filter vast quantities of water every day and not just oysters, all of the different species of shellfish and other invertebrates in New Zealand. And they they do so they have so many positive benefits for the environment, not just that. Lots. Did, did you know this, Leone? No, never heard of it before. It's amazing. I'm wondering we, we, we might need oyster farms, you know, in some of these areas. So, yeah, never well, heard of it. Well, that, that's, that's the issue. Does this, Zoe, does this vary from variety to variety? Uh, it does a little bit, but mainly it's 
it, mainly it depends on size. So we've got quite a few different species of oysters in New Zealand, native and, and some non-native, and all the other mussels and things. And mainly it's, it's the size of them. So the bigger ones will filter a lot more than the smaller ones, and it'll change through their life. But good, they're all really good at it. Good grief. Tell us a little bit more about the filtering process. How does it work? Well, they're just they're filtering the water through their gills to capture food. So they feed on the phytoplankton and the water, the tiny microscopic plants and little fragments of, of algae and things in the water. And so they're passing all that water past their gills to, to feed and breathe, but mainly to feed. So that's why they can filter so much of it. Amazing, isn't it, Salwyn? These little beautiful little oysters that uh, you'd only think of them as a uh, having the, you know, nice with a squeeze of lemon or battered, but here they are helping the environment, Salwyn Manning. Yeah, that that kind of is my question, Wallace. In a lot of ways, um, Zoe, do you think that um, having the oysters placed in this kind of way is going to be helpful in um, giving us an indication on how what the state of our water is at these points around um, Auckland's waterfront? Certainly, yeah, they're, they're really, really great for biomonitoring like that because they filter so much water. It's far more sensitive than, say, if you just went out and took a water sample. What what you're doing is that they're filtering so many litres per day that they're going to pick up tiny trace amounts that you might not pick up. But all around the world, there's, there's huge um, programs now, and in New Zealand too, to restore oyster reefs mm. for all of the great environmental benefits, not just for monitoring, yeah. I and is what... it specific to... Oh, sorry, Leon. No, keep going, Leon. Keep going, I, I was just wondering if um, th- there's a similar kind of thing with mussels. You know, we know down in Melbourne are huge mussel farms and things like that. But in this kind of context of, of sampling close into city environments, is it um, other species as well, or is it just specifically the oyster that's really good at doing this? No, absolutely. Mussels are great at it. And if you imagine the size of the mussels that used to be in the you know, when they first started dredging the mussels in the first of Thames and Hauraka Gulf, apparently those mussels were huge. They would fill a whole frying pan. They were <laughs> massive. Yeah. And I've seen I've seen in my work, I've seen some enormous mussels. And so they go really, really big. So those guys are filtering so much. And we're actually doing work as well. Um, we're just about to start a pilot project here in Nelson Court, putting out mussels to help to see if they can help clear the water quality and use them as um, sentinels to look at. Um, all of those kind of questions. Right. I wonder what uh, Watercare will do when they're finished using the oysters for filtering. Will they then yeah. on-sell the oysters? You know, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> all, of our, all of our farms, all of our oyster farms in New Zealand are in these beautiful places, the far north, Hauri, um, um, Waiheke Island, Coromandel, yeah, I don't think they're going to go into a side business. No, <laughs> I was just trying to think. Good you know, try, maybe, Leone. Well, they might be trying to generate a bit of extra income or something. You know, Good try. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and the longer you leave them there and the bigger they get, the better the job they're going to do. Because yeah. the bigger they oh. get, the more they're, yes. the more they're going to filter per animal. And then they're locking up all those, like, all those things into their shells and stuff. So oh, gosh, this is amazing. So we want it? elderly oysters. Yes. And then elderly oysters have more babies, so then you get more oysters and they build reefs and they'll multiply and the world becomes a better place. <laughs> <laughs> indeed it does. Now, so so could these oyster beds, could oyster beds and indeed perhaps mussel beds be realistically be a part of the solution to filtering, say, I don't know, the Hauraki Gulf uh, or other water bodies, you know, bodies like the Gulf, which do have 
uh, real pollution and sediment issues. Absolutely. They, they could be a, a massive, significant part of the solution because they're doing so much more than filtering. They, they are filtering the water and making it cleaner. They also sort of stabilise the sediments and runoff and hold it there and sort of lock it up and create way more complex habitats. So the reefs that they build, mussels and oysters, create habitat for all sorts of other creatures like fish and invertebrates, crayfish, all of that. And they even think that they can minimise storm damage because big waves, if they're hitting a sort of spongy type reef structure compared to a hard seawall or something, it's going to take out some of the energy out of those waves and stuff. So there's just so many benefits. And they are actually already working on restoring the mussel beds in the Hauraki Gulf. So they're doing it already, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, nice to have you on the programme, Zoe. Kia ora. That's really interesting stuff there. So uh, the role of oysters and not just uh, putting them into our mouths. Wallace, it's not 12 days after the election. It's 12 days after the special votes uh, were counted. Um, you are on the panel, RNZ. My question of the day to you, we're doing a snap panel poll. If you've just joined us, my question is to you. Do you support, very simple, do you support congestion charging for a CBD or not? Yes or no? Two, one, zero, one. We'd love to hear from you this afternoon. Okay, time for I've Been Thinking. Leonie Freeman, take it away. Thanks, Wallace. Uh, so one of the things that's been on my mind a bit lately is um, over the last couple of months, my, my dad's been in and out of hospital a bit for the first time, um, availing himself of uh, our public hospitals. And I just wanted to give a shout out because there's often a lot of negativity around our public health system. But um, in Tauranga, where he is, um, I can't believe the level of service that he's been given and the, the nurses and the doctors and all the support staff um, are just doing such an amazing job and I just thought I'd take this opportunity today to give them a really positive call out because um, I know they work in challenging circumstances and sometimes it's really tough but I thought the way my dad has been treated has been amazing. It's a nice insight, isn't it, yeah. uh, Leonie? Because we often, if you're not in health, uh, if, you, if you don't need to go to a surgery mm. or after-hours care or a hospital, it can be a bit philosophical. Yes. But once you have a sick family member or you're sick yourself mm. and you have that level of treatment, it can be quite extraordinary. Not always, mm. but it can be quite something, huh? Yes, absolutely. And you found that. Absolutely. So I just thought, you know, I'd give a call out to all the, the staff at Tauranga Hospital. I, I think it's been amazing. Good on you, Leone. All right. Uh, Sawan Manning, I've been thinking. Yeah, and just um, good on you, Leone, for bringing that forward. And it's our experience too. And certainly personally, yeah. I wouldn't be around today if it wasn't for the public health system. Really? Very appreciative indeed. Absolutely. Um, so to my... I've been thinking. <laughs> um, over the last two weeks, I've noticed how uh, the weather patterns have changed compared to last year, and it's significant. And I'm talking down in the Hawke's Bay area or on the Pacific Coast mm. area of the North Island of New Zealand. Now, I'm guessing it's due to the beginnings of El Nino. Um, for example, you know, here uh, the wind is really steady coming at the moment for the last two weeks from the western quarters. It kind of moves around a little bit, but generally there. And while the landscape looks green, I'm guessing that's because of the higher than usual rainfall that has been through 2023 in particular, you can feel in the air now that it's going to be a real dry one on this east coast side of the country. So I guess 
where I'm landing with this, I've been thinking piece, is to spare a thought for the animals as we prepare for a long, dry summer, and ourselves too, and keep that water fresh, the shelter areas as cool as you possibly can. Mm. And I guess here's hoping a bit of rain occasionally lands on those parts of New Zealand that will definitely need that respite. And saying that in 2003, Wallace, is a courageous thing, isn't it? About the rain, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a good topic, Sowen, because uh, you know we're really thinking of uh, you guys in Hawke's Bay there because it's either one. It seems mm. to be these days it's one either one or the other. More extreme, isn't it? Yeah, yes. it's a significant mm. downfall for days and days and days on end, or significant dry. Mm. It's quite something, isn't it, Sowen? Yeah, it is. And we're really lucky where I am. Um, you know, it runs off really well. We get hammered by the wind and things. Yeah. But um, I'm not, yeah, I've got to say we're very lucky. But, oh, man, you know, everyone that comes here that says they come through Esk Valley, come through those other areas, East Coast, et cetera, that were whacked, they just say they can't believe what they see. And that's, you know, so many, mm. many, many months after the main event that happened early this year. But, yep, um, this one's coming up. It's going to be the opposite by the look of it. It looks like it's going to be a dry one, not a wet and st- you know, not a wet one. Have you been to Hawke's Bay recently, Leonie? Wonderful no, part of the country. No. Wonderful part of the country. Oh, it is. It is. I haven't been since the floods this year. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a fantastic part of the country. Yeah. Uh, big response to our panel poll this afternoon. It's very simple. Do you support congestion charging yes or no 2101 Natalie says no I would not support it yet it would impact poorer people uh, that is those who have fewer options to travel at alternative times public transport needs to be radically improved first another one here says yes to congestion charging uh, uh, definitely yes to congestion charging so keep that coming 2101 love Loving your company this afternoon. You're on the panel with Leonie Freeman and Samwen Manning.